This podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official travel partner of the Seahawks. All right, we are back, and when I say we are back, uh, I mean we are really back because we have not had this podcast to give to you fine people since last year. How about that? Brian Nemhauser, Hawk Blogger, Dave Softy-Mahler is my name from KJR. And, Brian, uh, I guess we wait until the biggest game of the year, the Lions game, tomorrow, the playoff game, although tickets are fairly cheap for this game as of right now. We can chat about that in a moment. But how are you, pal? How was your New Year's Eve? You know, it was great, Softy. Uh, yeah, how about yours? It was great. I was in Atlanta getting sick and then flying home after watching the Huskies get smoked by Alabama. So it was fine. Yeah, you know, I, I thought about you that weekend. We were watching that game on a non-HD TV. Which oh, was that's <laughs> terrible, man. Brutal, but, but uh, you know, I think I was proud of the Huskies. I really thought that defense stood tall. And, uh, you know, there's a few few mistakes that if they'd turned the other way, that game would have been yep. pretty dang close. No, they did uh, plenty defensively. Uh, the offense had its problems, and we knew that going in was probably going to be the case. But nevertheless, it was a great experience. Experience, man. I, uh, I kind of compared walking around Friday night in Atlanta to walking around in New York City on, on Friday night before the Super Bowl and just running into Husky fans and everybody's got a great you know feeling about the weekend and win or lose, they're happy to be there and they're all fired up about the future for Husky football. And now here we are with the Seahawks uh, tomorrow and it seems like there's a lot of apathy, uh, I guess, from some corners of this city regarding this team. I'm looking at uh, some of these ticket websites are saying this is the cheapest game of the year compared to the regular season you can get in for like 150 bucks to the game uh are we spoiled around these parts now brian yeah you know i i wrote about this this morning and i know like i called and talked to you about it last night as well I'll, I mean, I'll admit, uh, you know, I'm certainly not immune to it. I, I don't know how you felt about the the 49ers Seahawks game this past weekend, but I can't. I don't know if I've ever dreaded a game like I dreaded that one before it happened. I just, I lost my my, you know, flavor of of wanting to watch this team play. I felt like they really had wow. almost felt like betrayal in, in the Cardinals game. The way they just didn't seem to be playing together. The way that the offense and defense and special teams were all taking turns failing at key moments and I was just kind of fed up and and you know watching them play was hard and then I kind of you know pulled myself out of it slowly but surely and you know this is so rare it's so rare you you know I know how rare it is for um, a Seattle sports team to be you know one of the better teams in the league to be in the playoffs and to have Honestly, to have the talent to win the whole thing yeah, may not be the most likely, but they can do it. They absolutely, and we can talk about this, there absolutely is a plausible path to them doing it. So I'm done with being apathetic. I hope other people are as well. I'm excited about tomorrow. I can't wait for tomorrow. No, I'm 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 fired up too. But I, I I know what you're talking about. That after that Cardinal game, it just took a lot of air out of the balloon. The Arizona game. I mean, that was really just disappointing to see it go down like that. I mean, I remember uh, going into that last two game stretch against Arizona and San Francisco. I'm on the air talking about how all right, you got Arizona and the Niners, two teams that uh, in week 15 gave up 89 points and a thousand yards combined, and you thought. <laughs> 
thought you felt pretty good about those last two games yeah. and grabbing the number two seed, especially because of what you knew the Lions would do in their schedule. And to have it not happen like that and to see them show up and be down as big as they were in the first half of that game against the Cardinals, yeah, it was really disappointing. And then fans kind of try and connect the dots. Well, that team that I saw in Arizona or, or uh, against Arizona and Seattle, can I see that team making a run come playoff time? And the immediate answer, the fresh answer is no. Yeah. Yeah, that is the answer. I mean, uh, and you see Russell Wilson not playing particularly well and definitely not looking that fast. You see, um, you know, uh, Tyler Lockett go down, who's, you know, a key part of the team. You see, you see, there's a lot of reasons. I mean, you see Earl Thomas still down and you see the effect on the secondary. Like, uh, we all know, we all know the reasons why, you know, you can be skeptical about what's going on. I think what people are missing still are the reasons why there's um, to be optimistic. Yeah. I mean, why this team could take one step and then two steps and yeah. then three and four, and we could be having a very different conversation in a few weeks. Well, let's talk about some of those reasons then. Uh, I mean, number one for me would be the team you're playing tomorrow. Uh, the Lions are dead last in the NFL in opponent quarterback rating, 106.5. I mean, that's terrible. Dead last in the NFL in opponent completion percentage, almost 73% is awful. Opponent yards per attempt, they're 25th. They're 31st in the NFL on third down defensively. So, look, I mean, although the Hawks aren't playing great football, I don't see a Lion defense that should give the Hawks a ton of fits tomorrow. How about you? No, and and I, you know, it was really actually interesting looking at the Lions. What it turns out to be the case is they're the 13th ranked uh, defense and points allowed, which is pretty decent, right? That's that's pretty impressive. And then you look at all the numbers like the ones you were mentioning, you know, they're, they're 31st in red zone, they're 30th in red zone, the 31st in third downs, they're 32nd in, in completion percentage, 28th in turnover. Like, they're not a good defense. And what it comes down to when you really break it to, to its core is the Lions offense holds the ball longer than any offense in the NFL, number one in the league in time per drive. What that's meant is that the Lions' defense has been on the field fewer than any other defense in the NFL. And so if you look at points per drive, the Lions are 26th in the NFL. You look at a number of other statistics, and you look at it from an efficiency standpoint, this is one of the worst defenses in the NFL. So the Seahawks' offense are definitely have a favorable matchup. There's nobody... Um, you know, particularly scary on that defense. Although I'd call out Ezekiel Ansa. You know, he's had a couple sacks in the past few yeah. weeks, and he terrorized the Seahawks last year in Seattle. So you know, they they can rise up. But um, there's reason to think this this you know, as, as long as the Seahawks can can move the ball uh, on offense. There's also reason to see that the, the Lions defense is actually or Lions offense has slowed down. They're nineteenth in the NFL over the past three weeks in in third down conversions. They're usually eighth. And so when they're not converting third downs the defense, the, the Lions defense is on the field and, and it gets exposed. Yeah, I'm just, you know, I look at this Lions offense and uh, hearing a lot about Zach Zenner, mostly out of Michael Bennett's mouth, is the best white running back in the history of the NFL. But uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm looking at him. I mean, there's nothing there that really scares me. I mean, yeah, the guy's got a, f- a few carries in the last couple of games, but 65 yards rushing, 20 carries to get there. Lions are the uh, worst, uh, a worse rushing offense than we are, and they have not had a 100-yard back in three years going 
going back to week 13 of 2013. So I feel like if you can take away Golden Tate and uh, do a good job on the tight end situation, uh, which they like to use a lot, uh, there's really nothing about this football team, offensively or defensively, that really freaks me out. Maybe I should be freaked out because the way the Hawks have played. Well, yeah, I mean, I look I look at uh, Matthew Stafford, and, you know, this is a guy, I went back and looked at who has the most uh, game-winning drives since Russell Wilson came into the league in 2012, and it's Matt Stafford. He has one more, I think he has 22 game-winning drives in that time frame. Russell Wilson has 21, he, so he's in second place. And he did it to us during that time frame back in Detroit. Um, you know, he is a he is a clutch player. He's got a lot of moxie. So I mean, yeah, I think he's the kind of guy that can can give us fits. But um, look, <laughs> the Seahawks defense over the last three weeks, as much as we're frustrated with some of the things they're doing, they're allowing they allowed six conversions and thirty two attempts on third down. That's, yeah, that's nineteen percent. Yeah, um, that'll work. That's pretty damn good. And if they can play even, you know, if they can hold them to 30% on third downs, I don't think this game's close. So uh, I think that's where this game's going to come down to is third down efficiency uh, more than anything else. The Lions do not turn the ball over. The Seahawks don't take the ball away um, this year. And, you know, the, the Lions don't take the ball away much either. So uh, I think this is going to come down to third down efficiency. Yeah, well, and the Lions defense is awful, 45.5%, as we mentioned. I just think for me, uh, and Russell Wilson talked about this the other day. I asked him, why do you feel like you can run the ball in the playoffs when you haven't run the ball all year long? And he's his normal optimistic self. Well, we're one or two blocks away. Well, one or two blocks is a big damn deal to me. I'm not sure about you, but that's a big damn deal over the course of one play. One or two blocks per play. Right, so exactly. Yeah, yeah. The five guys. Yeah. So I just think, you know, why, why not just be who you are at this point? You know, I mean, look, Pete Carroll is stubborn about the run. We all get that. But why? Why not just go with your strength right now? This is about surviving and advancing, not about setting something up for three or four months down the road. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, you know, I, I will tell you, I don't know why. I, this is this is not based on evidence or data or anything. I have this gut feeling that the Seahawks running game is is just a click away. Like, I, I don't know why I feel that way, but um, it would not surprise me uh, that much to see them come out tomorrow and actually run the ball effectively. And everyone would say, where the hell has this been? And, you know, the talk of Russell getting rid of his, his knee brace – I'm interested in that because, God, he still looks slow. Um, and I don't know how much of that's the knee brace versus other things. But if we could get him back as a legitimate part of the running game, then, you know, this team could look very different very quickly. Yeah, I just don't know if that's possible, pal. I mean, I wish I had your optimism about the run game. I guess I would ask you, why do you feel that way? Because I'm not seeing that at all. Yeah, well, so the the biggest thing I, I would point to there, and again, this is just a gut feeling, is it's not like they haven't run the ball all year. There was a stretch of time where they started running the ball against some decent teams, and part of it was when Russell started being able to run the read option again. Came alive there for a few weeks, and they were you know 130 yards a game for a little while. And they did it against, you know, teams like the, the Eagles that are a much better front seven than the one they're going to be facing tomorrow. And so what I see is, is an offensive line that's just been out of sorts. They're going in the wrong direction. There's miscommunication. And, you know, the run game is all about coordination and being on the same page. And... You know, I'm just hopeful. I know it's a matter of time before the offensive line gets on the same page. 
I'm hoping that, you know, this is a week where they're going to focus enough to, to where we start seeing the fruits of that that labor. Yeah, I just wonder, number one, the offensive line that we're going to see uh, tomorrow, will it be the same offensive line that we'll see in September? Because what you're talking about is an offensive line finding itself and getting going and maybe breaking a couple of runs and looking the best they've looked all year long. If that's the case, then maybe these do these guys do come back. I wouldn't put my money on that. Uh, I think that whatever the offensive line looks like next September, it's not going to be the starting five we see tomorrow. Agree? Um, yeah. I, I, uh, I don't know if I can go all the way there. I, 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 what I'm expecting Well, it's a yes or no question. To- it's either the same five guys or it's not. That's it. I would guess that it is not the same five guys. I would guess that it's not. Um, but I don't think it's quite as as – I'm not nearly as confident about it, as you can tell, as you are. I, I, I think they're going to draft some. You know, They may go out and try to land some free agents. They may also just trust in the growth of the guys. So I don't know. I mean, you and I – Part of the reason I'm hesitant there is you and I and a bunch of other people, we evaluate offensive linemen differently than the way the Seahawks and Tom Cable have. You know, I don't know. I was pretty down on Jermaine Fetty from before, you know, the draft and was not thrilled when they, they called his name in the first round. They're incredibly high on him. So, um, you know, that's part of what's going to go on here. Until there's someone else making decisions about who plays, yeah. I don't know that we can just assume that they're going to decide that the, the line is much of a problem as, as we do. Well, I think it's a major problem, and I think they feel like it's a problem. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like there's no other options they've got right now. I mean, part of the reason why they're in love with Jermaine Effetti today is because look at the guy backing him up, okay? I mean, what other options does Tom Cable and Pete Carroll have on the offensive line at right guard besides Jermaine Effetti? What other real options do they have at left tackle besides George Fant or Bradley Sal? I mean, their options are severely limited right now, Brian. Yeah, they are. They definitely are. But again, I mean, this is this is essentially this is the same line that went into New England and cleared the way for 31 points and yeah. you know had them moving up and down the field. Same offensive line that cleared the way for them um, to put up you know, uh, a bunch of points against a, a bunch of different teams at, at various times throughout the year. So, you know, they put up 40 on Carolina. They, they put up 31, although it wasn't enough against Arizona, um, 31 against Buffalo. So 37 against San Francisco. I, I just think that there is, there is what we're seeing is a very young and inexperienced line. Yeah. And the general rule of thumb is it takes around 60 games for an offensive line to really gel. Um, 60 to 65 games is what I've always heard. You know, they're nowhere near that. So um, we'll see. I, I mean, I look at it this week. I don't think that they have a huge opponent tomorrow that's going to really push them. I think right. it's a chance. It's a good sparring partner. It's a chance for them to start getting their football right. And then we start talking about, you know, who else out there, like looking at the field, who else out there has a defensive line that's going to be able to really expose the Seahawks offensive line. And, the only team that I think comes close is is the Giants. I think that the Packers have a little bit there, but it's really the Giants that I think have a, a good defensive line. I'm not sure I see them 
ever facing the Seahawks yeah. um, in the playoffs. Well, we could talk more about that, obviously, next week. Uh, I'm with you, though. There doesn't seem to be a real wrecking ball of a defensive line left in the NFC playoffs outside of the Giants. And they got to win in Green Bay this weekend first. But I will say this, that if they win this game tomorrow, uh, and to be one game away from the NFC championship against a team you've already beaten, I think the confidence level next week should be pretty good if the Seahawks win tomorrow. Yeah, I think I mean I think the Falcons are playing the best of any team in the NFL right now, including the Patriots. I think that they're they're playing really well, they're playing with a lot of confidence. I also think they're incredibly vulnerable on defense. And I think that there's a lot of people that look at that game and say, "Hey, the Seahawks lucked a lucked a win there with Sherman not getting a call." I see a game where Cam Chancellor, Michael Bennett, uh, Frank Clark were not playing, and the Seahawks were up, what was it, 17-3 to at halftime, and it was just miscommunication at the back end that led to the Falcons really getting back into that game. So I can see a, a really clear picture of where the Seahawks go in there and give the Falcons a lot more trouble than everyone's expecting them to and, and come back and potentially host an NFC Championship game. These are all like... You know, would you pick the Packers or the Cowboys if they were facing each other today? Oh, God. Ask me that question again. Would you, face, would you pick the Packers or the Cowboys if they were facing each other? Green Bay. Yeah, I, I think I would too. I think, you know, the, the Giants have already beat the Cowboys twice this year. Even if they end up facing them, I think that's a tough game for the Cowboys, obviously. I think there's a really decent chance that if the Seahawks win these next two games, they're hosting the NFC Championship game. So I know that no one wants to hear that. They think, it, they think it's just blind optimism. It's the reality. So, you know, I think tomorrow, more than anything else, it is about the Seahawks looking each other in the eye getting their football right, playing a disciplined game, playing together, and exiting the game with some confidence that they can take into Atlanta next week. That's what tomorrow's about. Yeah. Well, first of all, as far as the optimism, your name is Hawk Blogger. It's not Objective Blogger, okay? Or Impartial <laughs> Blogger. So we didn't expect anything different. And I love it, man. Hey, why not? I mean, this team needs to go out and show the fan base something on Saturday. Uh, but if they do that, and I'll tell you what, as I said yesterday on the radio show, there's nothing like going on the road and winning a playoff game. And this team has not done that in a long, long time outside of that Minnesota game and the Washington game, so I guess that was a stupid thing to say. But I mean, going on the road and winning a game like they did in the 80s against Miami to get to the AFC Championship game that year. There's, a, They've done it the other way with home field. Now the challenge is to do it on the road, and I love it, man. Let's see it, and, and the, the last thing I'll throw out there is What's, the, what's one of the, you know, besides quarterback, what's the number one thing that determines whether a team does well in the playoffs? Turnovers. Turnovers, I, I, would, I would point to pass rush. You know, we've seen it time and again where lesser teams that have a great pass rush can go all the way through to the Super Bowl. And the Seahawks have the best pass rush of any team in the playoffs, and it's not really that close. So, uh, you know, Michael Bennett's just rounding back into shape. You've got Cliff Averill, you've got Frank Clark. 
I think we could start to see the defense getting really disruptive. I think we could start to see a, a nice run there. So, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Those are the two things I'm really after. Tomorrow I want to see. I want to see, uh, I want to see the, the defense get some pass pressure, and I want to see the offense have some semblance of balance. You know, I, I do want to see them run the ball, and I do believe they can. And I do want to see Russell Wilson play with some confidence in the passing game and, and be, be accurate in what he's doing and, and, you know, start to figure out the red zone. That's really yeah. their, their next task they've yeah. got to grow on. What are they, four for 11 the last two games? Uh, Does that sound right? Give me one second. I'll tell you. They, it's not they're good. really bad in the red zone the last few games. So um, they are four for 11 the last two games. Yep. They're six for their last 15 um, and eight for their last – Eight for the last twenty-two. Wow, not good. Clean it not up. Not good. Yep. Not good. Not good. All right, buddy. Let's do it, and we'll talk hopefully next week about a game in Atlanta. All right. All right. Sounds good, Softy. Thanks. Great stuff, man. Brian Nemhauser, Hawkblogger.com uh, is the website. Find him at Hawkblogger on Twitter. Hopefully, back next week talking about a game with the Falcons right here on the podcast.